couple of announcements. So going over all those again today. Uh, come with me to Romans chapter 5. Fifth chapter of Romans, please. I was thinking while we were singing there, Clifford, that it's whenever the children of Israel marched around the walls of Jericho in that last march when they blew the trumpets, that's when the wall fell. I think of Paul and Silas in jail at midnight and they sang loud praises unto God and God sent an earthquake. Something about praise that drives back the forces of darkness, isn't there? I think of Gideon whenever he finally broke that pot and the light shone and he shouted the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So the enemy started to scatter. <coughs> Romans chapter 5, reading verse 10. Paul writes, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled, to God through the death of his Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. With all of the religions that are in the world today, no other is so endearing, so enlightening, so empowering, indeed so exciting as the Christian faith. No other religion offers so much hope so great a future and so wonderful a present life as Christianity. Of all of the elements that make up the Christian faith, there is one concept that is at the very heart of it. It's the very essence of Christianity. It is the very reason for it. It's the reason why God sent His Son. It reveals the very purpose and intent of God's heart Himself. And it's in a word, it's reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5.19 simply says that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Reconciliation is one of the, the planks of Paul's teachings. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he talks about reconciliation between a husband and a wife. So many people, not just husbands and wives, but so many people are unreconciled. And that's a shame, isn't it? They're unreconciled. I know we all have our moments. The little cartoon strip peanuts. Lucy said to Snoopy one day, she says, you know, Snoopy, sometimes you really bug me. And other times... I really feel I could give you a big hug. And Snoopy says, well, that's just what I'm like. Some days I'm huggable, some days I'm buggable. <laughs> and that's what we're all like, aren't we? We're huggable and we're buggable. Paul talked about reconciliation in Ephesians 2 between Jew and Gentile. He writes to his friend Philemon, that Christian businessman, about Onesimus, his runaway slave. And he encourages them to be reconciled. Accept him back as a brother, since the fact is he's saved now. 
Of course, the, the greatest example of reconciliation you'll find in the New Testament is that wonderful, heartwarming story that Jesus told about the prodigal son going back to the father and how the father embraced him and kissed him and hugged his neck. But the greatest and the highest and the deepest reconciliation is between God and man. And that is at the center of all God's dealings with mankind. It's that one thing that man should be reconciled to God. That's why Jesus came. What does reconciliation mean? Well, the root idea is a change in attitude or relationship. A restoring of fellowship. A coming together in unity. That's what it simply means. That we come together in unity. Our fellowship is restored. There's a change in our attitude of relationship. 2 Corinthians 5.20 implores us, on Christ's behalf, Paul says, be reconciled to God. How? Why? When? Where? Romans 5.10 says, we were enemies of God. In Ephesians 2, we're by nature the very children of wrath, Paul said. Alienated from the very life of God himself. Sons of disobedience, Paul said we were. And then he writes in Romans 8, he says, For the carnal mind is enmity, it's hostile against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Now, now most people are not openly hostile to God. Most people are not actually shaking their fists at God. They're not consciously going about cursing God every day. Our hostility is much more subtle than that. Our hostility shows up in our disobedience to His Word. Or our indifference to eternal things. There's people you meet and they're completely indifferent to eternal things. And that is hostility against God. Our apathy towards Christ's commands. All of that is hostility against God. Our willful ignorance of God's purposes in our lives. All of this paints a very stark picture of a life that is alienated from God that is estranged, that's disenfranchised, that's cut off from God. And yet here in the very mercy and love of God in action, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. What patience. <laughs> what mercy has God got? Did you notice how crucial it is that Jesus is involved in this act of reconciliation? In Romans chapter 5 again, let me read from verse 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, 
in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. What was it that alienated us from the life of God? Verse 12 tells us, Therefore, just as through one man's sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all have sinned. For unto the law sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even after those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense, for if by the... For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. That the gift is not like that which came through the one who had sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense, death reigned through that one. Much more, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life through one Christ Jesus. And on it goes. In other words, simply saying that that sin that Adam brought into this world, it spread to all men and brought us all under condemnation. But that one sacrifice that Christ made on the cross, huh, it took care of that sin problem made available life for us. So man has been alienated from the life of God through sin. We see that in the Garden of Eden so very clearly in Genesis 3. And here is Job, and he's looking for a mediator, he says. Oh, that there was a mediator. If there was one that could put his hand on me and put his hand on God... What a prophetic statement he made that he didn't know. Because there was one who came who could put his hand on me and could put his hand on God. Because he was the God-man, wasn't he? The Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus had that nature which was divine and yet it was human. Human without sin. But a human nature nonetheless. And so he perfectly understood how we feel. And he perfectly understands how God feels. What could be a better umpire, a better mediator, a better referee, if you will, as one translation puts it, between a holy God and a sinful man than the man Christ Jesus. He could reach up and grab the hand of God and reach down and grab the hand of man and reconcile us together. And this is the wonderful beauty of the gospel, isn't it? Romans 5 and 10, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Reconciled by His death then, saved by His life now. It continues, doesn't it? His death brought us together. His life 
keeps us together. His death justified us. His life sanctifies us. Both are important. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? What a wonderful covenant Christ made for us. What a great deal he got for us. We all like a good deal, don't we? Have you ever been in our house? Some people just know that we have got nice oak doors on and we got a brilliant deal. We got them in the door store. Now you may think there's not much in the door store. Well, there was the day we went. There's a 50% sale on. That was a good thing, wasn't it? I mean, your quid's in right there, aren't you? And we talked to the guy who was going to sell us the doors, and lo and behold, he was a believer. A Pentecostal believer. So we get chatting. He says, I'll tell you what, I'll give you my discount on top of that. That's a good deal, isn't it? I mean, you didn't have to hem and haw about that one. We all love a good deal. There is no greater deal than the one that Jesus made with the Father for you and for me. And he allowed us to come into that deal, that covenant, that testament. And what a blessing that has been. And now he gives us freely all things to enjoy. Now we are heirs and we are joint heirs with the very Son of God. Isn't that good? That's a great deal, isn't it? In Ephesians chapter 2. By the way, I'm going to be very brief tonight. Aren't you glad? It's half term today, wouldn't you know? So I'm going to let you out of school early tonight. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's see what we were. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. That's what we were. In 1 Corinthians 6, and Paul goes over a whole list of people, and he says, such were some of you, but now you're washed, and now you're clean. Thank God for that testimony. And let's see what we, what we are. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's what we are. We're not what we used to be. Thank God for what we are today. But then there's more to come, what we shall be. Verse 7, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Imagine, it's going to take the eternity of all eternities for Christ to show us all of the grace that he's got to give us. What a wonderful Savior that we serve tonight. 
And there's how it was all made possible. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In Ephesians chapter 3, just across the page, verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Holy Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and forever. Amen. Glory to God. You see, man has lost his connection to God. He really doesn't have a sense of belonging. All his life he has been told <laughs> that he descended from an ape or that he's just a speck of cosmic dust. And so he tries to find significance and meaning and purpose and reason for being. But sin has separated him from God and that's the only place he's going to find it. It has blinded him and it kept him in ignorance but the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who believe not. And so primarily our job as believers in this world is to be able to get men reconciled to God, to show the love and the mercy of God, to present Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life, to be able to show them that God has got an eternal plan for them, that God has got a great life for them, that God has got a brilliant future for them, that God has got an eternal future for them. This is what we're to tell. This is what the gospel is. I'm just going to read one more portion of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Don't ever tell me you haven't got a ministry. You're not reading your Bible right. You may not be highly gifted. You may have only one talent. But you've got a ministry. Every single believer on earth has got the ministry of reconciliation. God has appointed us as ministers of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Note this, and has committed to us 
the word of reconciliation. Now then, he says, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. See how important that is. As though God himself were pleading through us. Who else can God use in this earth? Only us. He's not going to use angels. The Lord's not coming back yet. It's only us. So he wants to speak through us because he's given us the word of reconciliation. When you witness to somebody, when you share with somebody, when you talk to somebody about Jesus, that's what you're doing. You're trying to reconcile them to God. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For me made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Glory to God. And so whenever you talk to somebody in your workplace or a family member, at that moment you are God's ambassador. You are the one that God is speaking through, imploring to be reconciled to God. And you may not be the cleverest person. You may not be the most academic person. You may not know reams and reams and reams of Scripture, but you know enough to know that this person needs to be reconciled to God. And by God's grace, I'm going to ask God to speak through me today to give me something to say to this person. It may be just one scripture. It may be my personal testimony. But as I do that, at that moment, I'm an ambassador for Christ. Listen to what he says again. He has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf... Be reconciled to God. And God can take those few words. God can take that personal testimony and he can make you an ambassador for him. And you might be the one that will start a chain reaction in that person's life that eventually would lead them to be reconciled to God. What a wonderful thing that would be when you get to the glory and somebody comes up to you and said, you know, 25 years ago in work, you spoke to me one day. And that sowed a seed in my heart and it never left me. And it was five years later before I finally committed myself to Christ and you didn't know that. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? That's what it means to be an ambassador, you see. Where you're trying to reconcile people to God. If only we could do that more and more and more. And whenever Johnny and Jason and Tuesday nights and the helpers and Christianity Explored, that's what they're doing, trying to reconcile those people to God, trying to say, listen, the way has been made open. <laughs> the metal wall of partition is broken down. There's no more barriers. Come to Christ. Embrace the Lord. Repent of your sins. And when you do that, you come into the family of God. And what a difference that makes. Isn't it? What we didn't understand before, we begin to understand almost immediately. Things begin to make sense to us. And we're reconciled back to God. So that, that is all of our ministries. Every single one without exception. That is your ministry. To be an ambassador to reconcile men to God. Amen?
Let's pray. Lord, we have taken these moments in your house tonight to praise you, to worship you, to stand before you at this altar, to lift up holy hands, to lift our voice, Lord, in adoration to the King of kings and Lord of lords. And Lord, we have taken these few moments tonight, quick as it was, to, to pay attention to your word. Now, Lord, would you help us to go out into the wide world this week and to be in remembrance that we are ambassadors for Christ. That wherever we go, Christ goes. That we become his hands and his feet and his lips. Lord, just not by the words that we say, but by the example how we live before others. Something of what we say or what we do, Lord, will cause a reconciliation. That men and women may be come to Christ and be reconciled back to God. So we give you thanks for the opportunity. We pray, Lord, for over these next couple of days, Lord, of this school break, Lord, we pray for the children to be blessed and protected and guarded. We pray for mums and dads, Lord, to be blessed also. We pray, Lord, all of us, Lord, will find favor and prosperity this week. That, Lord, we'll be blessed indeed because your hand is upon all of us. So we give you thanks for this, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.